Good morning, everyone. Welcome. It's good to see you out here today. (laughs) And I can see you very well. Welcome to everyone. Welcome to our guests, especially. You're very important to us. We're glad that you're here this morning and hope that God is going to bless you in a very special way as we worship the Lord. We'd like to uh, remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. If you wouldn't mind, uh, in the purple books there, we'd like for you to take that and to uh, fill out, fill that out uh, with any information you feel comfortable giving to us and then pass it down the road so others can do the same. Uh, if you would do that, we would certainly appreciate it. Um, a, a few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. First of all, we, uh, many of you know that we are in the midst of, of the season of Lent, and during this season we have Lenten lunches um, uh, on Wednesdays uh, with churches all around the community. This past week, we had our Lenten lunch. We hosted that, and there were Christians from all across the the city and and different denominations that joined us for that lunch. I think it was very successful, so thank you, everyone who participated in that. Thank you, Lana, for lining everything up, and and, uh, everything was wonderful. So I appreciate your efforts with that. Uh, you will see in your bulletin the, the schedule for the next coming weeks. This coming week on Wednesday, uh, we will be at the First United Methodist Church at lunch on Wednesday. Uh, also, you will notice a, an announcement in your bulletin about Extreme Build. We have a sign-up sheet on the table for Extreme Build. That will be uh, June the 11th through 17th. And uh, for those of you who are not, who are not familiar with this, This is a ministry that we have in which we will go to um, McCreary County, Kentucky, and we will join uh, volunteers from all around Kentucky, and we will leave on Sunday, and then on Monday morning, we will begin our work early in the morning. Uh, When we get there, there's probably the the footings of a house are are there. Sometimes some of the framing is up, but we will get to work, uh, and it's like a beehive, everybody, every little bee doing their thing. And in one week's time, actually less than a week, we will build a house. And this will be for a a needy family in McCreary County. 
McCreary County is a, a part of a ministry of Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. They have a, a presence in the 20 poorest counties in the country, and McCreary County is one of those counties. And so we are making a huge impact on their economic life uh, by building a house and providing this for someone. So uh, we invite you to be a part of that. If you'd like to be a part of that, uh, please sign up on the sign-up sheet. Indicate what nights you will be there. Uh, the cost will only be your lodging. Uh, so all you have to pay for is your lodging there. You can go for a day or a night or, or three days or seven days, however long you want to go, um, and we would appreciate that. Have you noticed something different today? It's a little bright in here, isn't it? I, it's, it's, it's a little different. Um, uh, you know, I, I, we put in the, uh, the bulletin, let there be light, and we have replaced the lights here with the LED lights. There's only one row on uh, there, and we, we had them all on just a little while ago, and you saw how bright it was. Uh, these are LED lights. These will be more efficient, um, uh, more energy efficient, and, uh, and we did this because you were able to uh, provide for these lights. Many of you purchased one of these lights. That's mine right there. <laughs> Many of you purchased one of these lights and, and maybe more. And, uh, and because you did this, we were able to replace these lights. So I want to thank you for your generous contributions to this. And, and also thank you, Roger. Roger uh, was here all day Friday, and, and Larry helped him, and Doris, and, and Robbie. Um, uh, I, I guess you could say that our future looks bright. Speaking of which, I need some volunteers. Come on, folks. I need some feet, some help here. You know what we're going to do here, don't you? Come on. All right, I need some more volunteers. Some of you have seen us do this before. We have been, we have been uh, doing our Unleashed Debt Reduction campaign since last February, February a year ago. Um, the chain, stretch it out there, CJ, just a little bit so everybody can see. There you go. Don't, don't break it, though. The long chain represents the total debt that we have had on this building for uh, over 20 years now. Uh, each each link in this chain represents $10,000. There's 120 links in the long chain, so that's $1.2 million. Now, let's see here. Somewhere right along this way. Yeah, here. Right here. This represents where we started in February. 
We owe him just a smidgen under $600,000. This is where we are right now. Uh, our balance on our loan is $452,465. So since we started our unleashed campaign last February, we have paid almost $150,000 towards our debt. Today we're going to cut another link to represent another $10,000 that we've wiped off of our debt. And so we are making great progress with this, and so we thank you for your continued support with this. We only have 45 more links to go. Aren't you looking forward to that? Thank you so much. Let's stand now and greet each other in the name of the Lord.
Oh God, we come to you as such grateful people, so so grateful. We give you thanks for so much. We thank you, oh God, just for the gift of life, for the gift of your Son, for the gift of the Holy Spirit that guides us each day. We pray that you would lead us through the trials that we face, the sufferings and the sorrows, the challenges, the struggles, through the dark times and the tired times. We all have them, O God. Lead us through them. Be with those who weep. Be with those who cannot sleep or who have no peace, no release in their lives. Lead us, O God, with your grace, your love, your peace. Fill us, O God, with your hope, 
your patience, with the stamina that we need to do your work. And we pray that you would transform us into your image, in the image of your Son and your name. Transform us to grow and to understand, to see with your eyes. Transform us so that we can be made whole again. And in that wholeness, may we be the hands and the hearts of Christ. Amen. Our next hymn is a wonderful hymn. It is, it is well with my soul. It's so beautiful. And as we are singing this this morning, I want you to notice how he begins on a very negative note. He's very sad. The first two verses, he's suffering trials. He's suffering temptations. But on verse 3 and 4, just him thinking about what God has done for him and the promises of God totally turns his thought process around. So by the end of the hymn, he's just happy and on cloud nine, as you might say. So when we get to verse three and four, we're going to combine those together without singing a chorus in between them or a chorus in between them. But make sure you really focus on his thought process and the words of the hymn as he is suffering, but then he, at the end, he's just elated at what God has done for him.
put on your shirt. Um, so have you guys ever had the um, privilege of watching someone build something using nuts and bolts? No? Do you know what a nut and a bolt is? We've got a couple nuts back here, but not the nut, not the peanut that you eat. But have you ever seen something that looks kind of like a screw and then like a little um, circular looking thing? Yeah? No? Yeah? Just say yeah? Okay. Well, whenever you're, whenever you're building something, it always has to, whenever you're putting the wood together, for it to be secure, the nut and the bolt, what if the, um, okay, the nut's the round thing, what if the nut was too big? And the screw was really, really little. Would it fit? What would it do? It would loosen up. Or here, I'm just gonna take this. Turn it off.
as we sing Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. <laughs>
Our scripture reading today is from Romans 5, 1 through 11. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to his grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, Though perhaps for a good person, someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us and that while we were st- still were sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, Much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life. But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is the word of the Lord.
Thank you, choir. What a beautiful message that is. The God of the, of the mountain is also the God of the valley. Thank you, choir, and uh, thank you, Heather, for filling in on our piano today. She does a great job. Thank you so much. It was, um, it was the deciding round of the 1983 U.S. Open Golf Tournament. Larry Nelson uh, was tied for first place, but the hopes of his followers were deflated because his approach shot on the 16th green left him with a 62-foot putt. Now, in the world of golf, sinking a 62-foot putt is just about as difficult as making a hole-in-one. And so Larry Nelson paused for a long moment, and then he raised his head. He sized up the terrain. He looked at the different angles, and then he lined up and stroked his ball. It rolled downhill for a little bit, and then uphill again, and then down another slope, and then up another one, and then finally it it curved and kerplunk, it went right into the hole. Some people called it the shot of the year. And bolstered by this magnificent putt, Larry Nelson went on to win the tournament, which was his first victory after a two-year slump. After the tournament, one of the reporters asked him if he had been praying during the match, especially before that putt. They noticed that he had, had bowed his head and was kind of quiet for a moment. And Larry said, yes, I, I was praying. And the reporter asked, were you praying that, that you would make the putt? And he said, no. And then the reporter asked, and what were you praying for? And Larry's answer should be a source of help to all of us, I think. He simply repi- replied, peace. He was praying for peace. Now, is there anyone here who is not, in one way or another, seeking peace? Peace in our hearts, peace in our marriages, peace in our relationship with our friends, with our family members, peace in our work. Of course, some, some of us may be seeking peace in some unusual sources. I heard about one, one woman who uh, said that her therapist told her that the way to achieve true inner peace was to finish whatever she started and so she, she took that to heart, and she said, so far today, I finished two bags of chip and a chocolate cake. I feel better already. They don't call it comfort food for nothing. But there are better ways to find peace. And the good news for this third Sunday of Lent comes to us from the, the Apostle Paul. He says in Romans 5, Therefore, Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul goes on to say that that even in the midst of suffering and misfortune, even in the valley, as our choir sang just a moment ago, we can still have peace. Even though we are undeserving of it, we can still have peace because of what Christ has done for us on the cross. Now, we need to understand that this peace, this peace that Christ gives to us, this is not a passive kind of peace. You know, they say that ignorance is bliss. And, and, you know, sometimes I think that's true. Uh, I I, I can truly understand the sentiment of that anyway, because 
Some people are in total bliss because they're ignorant. And I don't mean that as, a, as an insult. But they're at complete peace because they're either oblivious to or simply ignore the needs of the people around them as well as the needs of their community and their world. And their attitude is a lot like that character from my childhood in Mad Magazine. You remember? Alfred E. Newman? You remember? What, me worry? But folks, I want to tell you something. That's not the kind of peace that Christ is talking about. It is said that when Japanese warplanes were headed towards Pearl Harbor, there were, there were two American soldiers on one of the islands out in the Pacific who spotted them on their radar screen. And they reported to their commanding officer, a young lieutenant. But the lieutenant thought, for a, thought about it for a moment and, and concluded that these were planes that were uh, American planes from California on, on a routine uh, a mission there. And he said, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Well, they should have worried about it, didn't, shouldn't they? And folks, there are some things in our lives that we should be worried about. Jesus worried from time to time. Jesus saw the money changers in the temple taking advantage of the worshipers there, and he worried about it enough that he drove them out into the streets. Jesus worried about people who were hungry and thirsty and provided for their needs. Jesus worried about people who were suffering from various health issues and prevented them, that prevented them from, from living the abundant life that he wants them to live. And he brought health to them. Jesus worried about people who were lost in their sins and he gave, their, gave his life in their behalf, in our behalf. There are some things that Christians ought to worry about. There are things in our world today that we need to worry about. For example, if you're not worried about the, the terrible plight of, of refugees today who are fleeing from wars that are devastating their homes and their children and the persecution that they're facing and the threat of death and starvation, if you're not worried about that, then shame on you. You're either oblivious to it or ignoring it. And if the number of violent deaths that, from acts of violence in our own land does not bother you, then God have mercy on you. And if the disintegration of family life in our nation does not bother you, then something is missing in your spiritual life. There are problems that Christians ought to be worried about. So you see, there's a difference between having God's peace and being an insensitive clod who cares only about yourself. There's a difference. In the words of Patrick Henry, gentlemen cry, peace, peace, and there is no peace. And in a self-centered generation like ours, we must continually be on guard that our desire for peace in our lives does not cause us to ignore our responsibilities for others. 
And yet still, we have that desire for peace. And we should. Because that desire for peace has been planted in our hearts by God. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You see that? Peace is one of Christ's gifts to us. In fact, I believe it is a strong sense of inner peace that allows us to make a positive difference in our world. Sure, we, we're called to, get, to, to rid the world of, of wrongdoing, and, and there are a lot of tragic things that are happening in our world that should trouble our, our souls deeply, and we should do something about it. But you know, the ironic thing about this is that those are generally not the things that, that rob us of our peace, are they? The things that rob us of our peace are often the little things, not the big things that are happening in the world, but the little things that are happening, happening in our lives, like our appearance and whether we're keeping up with our neighbors. So we have to put things into perspective, the big things and the little things. In Exodus, the children of Israel were wandering around out in the desert on their way from Egypt to, to the Promised Land, and they were thirsty. They hadn't had any water in a while, and they complained to Moses, why did you bring us out of Egypt to make us die of thirst? And that's a legitimate concern, isn't it? It's a legitimate complaint. I mean, if you're, if you're faced with a problem like that, then it's perfectly natural to complain to the Lord. If you're dying of thirst, if your children are in danger of starving, if you have some kind of terminal illness, it would be natural to ask, where are you, oh God? Children of Israel are stuck out in the desert and they're thirsty, and so they complain to Moses. And so Moses complained to God, what do I do with these people, God? They're about to stone me. Now it's Moses' time to be worried. <laughs> I mean, no leader wants his or her people to turn against him. And so the Lord tells Moses to go to a place called Horeb and strike a rock and water will come forth and the people will have all the water that they need to drink. Afterwards, Moses named the place Massa and Meribah because of the fault finding of the people and because they put the Lord to the test by asking, is the Lord among us or not? Now, obviously, the children of Israel are not the only ones who have ever asked that question, is the Lord among us or not? There are probably people here today who have asked that question at some time in your lives. Is the Lord among us or not? It's hard to trust in God sometimes. It's hard to... Hear Jesus' words in Matthew 6 when he said, Don't be anxious about your life, what, you, what you'll eat and what you'll, you'll, you'll drink, nor about your body, what you shall wear. But your heavenly Father knows all that you need. Jesus is answering that question that was posed to Moses. Is the Lord with us or not? And the answer is a resounding yes. God is with us. And God will provide for all of our needs, just as God provided for the needs of the children of Israel. 
Moses struck that, wa- that rock and, and water came out, enough water to, for everyone there in the wilderness. Now, I don't, know how, I don't know how striking a rock produces water. I've never seen a rock like that. You? I've never seen a rock like that. But I suspect that the point is that it wasn't the rock that met Israel's needs. It was God. God provides for those who love God. Now, some of our anxiety may come from concern about our daily needs. You may be aware that Benjamin Franklin once made a list of his major faults, and he resolved to battle one of his faults every week. And one of the faults that he he knew that he had to, to deal with was wasting time and energy with worry. You ever done that? Wasted time and energy by worrying so much? I have. There's one Peanuts cartoon that showed Linus dragging his blanket along and saying to Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown, you look kind of depressed. And Charlie replies, I worry a lot about school. And then he says, I worry about me worrying about school. And then finally he concludes, even my anxieties have anxieties. Some of us can sympathize with that. Even our anxieties have anxieties. And we all know that needless worry can be destructive in our lives. And we all know that our, in our hearts that, that God loves us and God will provide for us. But it's so hard for us to cultivate that peaceful heart and mind. And we envy those people who have it. You ever, had, you ever known someone like that, that no matter what problem they faced, it was like, it'll be okay. You know, we kind of envy those people, don't we? I read somewhere that when uh, Rossini's opera, The Barber of Seville, was first performed, it was a disaster. It was awful. They were hooted off of the stage, and, and afterwards, the, the cast was devastated. There's so much pain in being in a theatrical production that's bombed. And so the cast were, after the performance, they were commiserating with one another. And, and then they noticed that Rosini was not there. He was not among them. And they, they were afraid that he might have done something desperate. And so they, they rushed to his house and they found him asleep. Maestro, are you all right, they asked. And he responded, I was until you woke me up. But what about the opera, they asked. And Rosini answered, so it's not good enough. I'll have to compose something better. But please, let's discuss this tomorrow. I'd like to go back to sleep now. Wow. His opera had just bombed and he's sleeping like a baby. Many of us need to pray for that kind of attitude, don't we? Many of us are not as effective in our service to God because we're not trusting that God will meet our needs. Others of us may be troubled because of some guilt that we have in our lives, some guilt over some past deed or even an involvement in some unhealthy situation right now in your life. In John's Gospel, the Samaritan woman comes to the well at Sychar to draw water in the heat of the, of the day. Now, she'll be carrying this heavy jug back to her home, and the heat makes the, 
jug even way heavier. It's even more burdensome. And so we wonder, why come in the heat of the day? Why not come early in the morning? Well, the answer to that is probably is that she was trying to avoid the other women who, who come to the well early in the morning. And the reason she wanted to avoid them is because she was worried about what they thought of her. And the reason why is because her life was a mess. We're told that, that she had been married five times and now she was living with a man who wasn't her husband. And, and that may be a common practice today, but it wasn't 2,000 years ago. And today we would say that this woman had a serious problem with her relationships with men. Maybe she had a poor relationship with her father. We don't know. We don't know what her situation was. But we do know that in order to give love, we need to have experienced love. And this woman may have had such a low opinion of herself that she could not relate to a man in, in any other way than just to be an object which he might use and discard at his pleasure. And so she was looked down upon by her community because in their eyes she was a sinner. And then Jesus came wandering by. Jesus. This well-respected rock star of a rabbi. And what a startling thing it was for this pious rabbi to show any interest in this woman at all. A woman like her. She could not know that, that there would come a time when he would show so much interest that he would die on a cross in order to bring her and other people like her into a right relationship with God. As Paul said, one will hardly die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a, a good person one will dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were yet Sinners, Christ died for us. My friends, have, have you let your life get out of control because you've never truly accepted God's forgiveness and grace? Do you somehow feel that you don't measure up? Unworthy? You're unacceptable? You're unlovable, you think? Well, let me tell you something. There's a man on a cross who says something quite remarkable to each and every one of us. And what he says is that you are worth dying for. Paul writes, therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What wonderful good news that is. If we don't have that peace, we lose energy worrying about the wrong things. And if we don't have that peace... We may carry a lifelong burden of feeling unworthy. And when you think about it, it's no wonder that before he sank that 62-foot putt, Larry Nelson prayed for peace. You see, peace really is one of the most precious gifts that Christ can offer to us. One elderly gentleman found that kind of peace, even though he had been confined to a bed for over 40 years. I was thinking about this story as, as uh, Felicia told us about the song, It Is Well with, with, with My Soul, about how the first part of the song is kind of a downer and, and talks about the troubles that the, the writer felt, but then 
he started thinking about what God has done for him. And he determined that it is well with his soul. And it, this, this, young, this one gentleman, an older man, he was confined to his bed for over 40 years because he had fallen and broken his neck many years ago. His back was broken, but his, not, his spirit was not. And, and a friend once asked him if he, had, if he was not tempted sometimes to be bitter towards God. And the man said, yeah, there are times. There are times when I've been tempted. He said, it's hard to look out my window and I, I see my friends doing things out there that I'll never be able to do. And, and so sometimes I have questions about the goodness of God. And then his friend asked, well, what do you do about that? And the man said, well, in my mind, I just go to Calvary. And I think about Christ and I think about the wounds that he bore in his body for me. And I think about the cross and the great love that God must have for me. And when I do that, all of that doubt and all of that bitterness just melt away. I know he loves me. The cross says it all. My friends, the cross does indeed say it all. So, do you have a troubled spirit? Do you waste valuable hours and and days worrying about things that you have no control over? Are there things in your past or even in your present that rob you of, of peace? Because you know you're outside of God's will. If that's the case, then I want to invite you to go to the foot of the cross this morning and and see just how much God loves you. Accept that love for yourself. Paul writes, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept that peace of God today. Give your worries to the Lord and breathe. 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 Be at peace. Amen. Let's sing together. I've got peace like a river. (laughs) I've got peace like a river in my soul. I hope we can sing that truly, knowing that that's real in our lives today. And I hope and I pray that that is a true statement for each and every one of you today, that you have peace like a river in your soul. Let's sing together. Thank you.
sins were covered, whose transgressions are forgiven. For great is the free gift of grace, and great is the love that surround those who trust in the Lord. Receive then this gift of grace, and walk in the way of love. Amen. Amen.